Jason, you've had this insane career in entrepreneurship. I think you were telling me that you started 17 businesses. Um, how did you get into entrepreneurship? And then I'd love to kind of finish that chapter of the episode with talking about today's context with an economic crisis and entrepreneurship. So starting off, rewinding, how the heck did you get into becoming a serial entrepreneur? Well, I'll always remember the day I came home. I was skipping school because I was a horrible student. I dropped out of, barely made it through high school, dropped out of college. And, and I came home one day and my dad was there. And it was two in the afternoon. And he's never home at two in the afternoon. And I said, what are you doing here? He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm skipping school. I'm always here. What are you doing here? He's like, I lost my job. And that was a gut-wrenching moment because my dad was like a big-time executive of a pharmaceutical company. thought he ran everything. He was my hero. And I'm like, holy cow, your world can actually come to an end if you work for somebody else. And that was, I was 18, so that was 35 years ago. And at that point, I just realized I, I didn't want to work for somebody. I didn't want to have that, that well, what's happening to people today is, you know, you, you, you go to work and all of a sudden you don't have a job because someone's decided because of coronavirus, you're laid off. Um, that was the experience I had as a kid. And that's what launched me into a career of saying, I'm going to be in businesses. And, you know, I was in the student painting business and still am across the United States. I started in Canada as a franchisee. Own it with my partners here, College Works Painting in, 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 in the States. We've had that business was the first business we really got going in. And we've had that for 30 years. Um, in between that journey, we've started a bunch of other companies, um, some of which have been very successful and some of which have not. Of 13 businesses that we started um, didn't go where we wanted to go. They didn't make it. Or we shut them down because maybe they weren't going to, they just weren't what we thought. But today at a national services group, we own College Works Painting, Home Genius Exteriors, Empire Works Reconstruction and Painting, um, a vacation rental business in Savannah, Georgia with 20 Airbnb units, which by the way, is not a business you want to be in right now. Uh, that, that's not going so well. Um, but the other ones are, and we employ a couple thousand people in the US. Um, obviously this year is gonna be a challenging year. It's gonna be a challenging year for everybody, but we'll make it through. And part of why we'll make it through is because, look at it, I'm old, I'm 53. I've been through 87 and 90 and, and 97 and 9-11 um, and 2010 and all these crises that some of you younger guys have never seen. I went through all of them. I how do you get through, how do you get through crisis? Like what are the principles to get through crisis broadly speaking and maybe specifically within the entrepreneurial journey? Well, the first thing you have to do in my mind, and again, the other thing about me is I coach CEOs through CEO Coaching International. I have to last seven years of my spare time. And so I've been working with all my clients through all of this. And you've got to take a look at where you are. You've got to be realistic about where you are. So when I'm talking to my clients or looking at my own business, it's like, okay, where are we? What's real, what are we really going to look like? When people, I remember having a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago, and they said, well, we just got shut down in Michigan, but it's going to be okay because they're going to open up again in two weeks. So we're just going to hold on to everybody and it'll be fine. I'm like, and you're not opening up in two weeks. Um, that's not going to happen. We're, you're probably not going to open up until June, which means, and this was in March, 
So what does your business look like based on that? You have to right size the business to stay profitable or at least break even during this time. So you've got to look at things realistically, I think is the first thing. And in the beginning of this whole crisis, some people were not looking at it realistically. Um, I think they are now. The second thing is as the leader, you've got to realize, I, I tell people this, we're, we're at war. And that's not just me saying this, a lot of people are saying this. And you need to be that wartime CEO. And that wartime CEO is someone who is strong, who is there, shows up for their people, is in front of their people on a daily basis, has a plan, and isn't shaking in their boots all day long and, and making other people worry about where we're heading. Um, you, I am in my business, I, I have not been overly active in my business in years, but I can tell you in the last month, I lead three sales calls with my, with my sales team a week. I had one yesterday. It was, a, it was a costume day. We had everybody show up in costumes. Um, I showed up as a pilot. <laughs> got a pilot costume on. And we had fun, right? We went around the room and said everybody what they were happy with about being in quarantine. And we talked about the wins and successes. I meet with my partners on a daily basis over Zoom, but my superintendents on a weekly basis, my office team, everybody's seen my face more in the last month than they've probably seen it in the last three years because that's what's needed right now, right? Everybody wants to look to somebody, they go, okay, somebody's got control of this. They know where we're heading. But a realistic plan and then being there and being positive. I mean, yes, we're all stuck in our houses. This sucks. People are dying. But it, we'll get out of this eventually. And what does it look like when we get out of it? It's interesting because now you've had that perspective built through multiple recessions, the ups and downs of business as well as failing at business. And it's it's interesting how hard it is sometimes just to keep the long-term or even the medium-term perspective when you feel like you're just getting shot at every single second of a day. But it's, um, you know, on the topic of entrepreneurship, like, you know, so many people are in this mentality of get security. I don't know what's going to happen next in the next 30, 60, 90 days with our own cash in the bank as a family yep. you know how do people balance that need for a job for security with this completely different route of being an entrepreneur and doing this in a time like this should people even be starting businesses right now so in my mind you have the time to figure out the new business right now I mean, I, I still look at this and go, I think back to 35 years ago. I don't personally want someone else to be in control of my destiny. Now, again, not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Because if you don't have the stomach to deal with the fact that you get paid last, and you might have to go borrow a whole bunch of money from your friends and family to be able to pay other people to keep going, and it may not work, and you'll still have to pay that money back to friends and family. If you're not willing to take that risk and your stomach, and that's going to keep you up at night, then you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. So it's my, my path is not the path for everybody. I mean, I have almost been bankrupt three times 
I hope this time isn't the fourth time. <laughs> but I've been there through these crises, right? I've been there through my own mistakes. Um, I have the ability to look past it and build past it. So when you say, should everybody be an entrepreneur? I'm like, no, everybody shouldn't be. But if you think you can deal with the fact that you may not get paid and that you'll get paid last and that you're borrowing money to live on while you're trying to figure out your dream, well, the payoffs can be great if you can deal with that. But if you're thinking about that, is it time to do it now? Well, heck, there's with every crisis, there's huge opportunities, huge opportunities. Um, I had one client that was in the midst of shutting down when we got the order from LA County that they couldn't work. They happened to have a factory that had the capability of creating um, and making hand sanitizer, which allowed them to stay in business. We already were having social distancing the way we're manufacturing and masks on and everything else just because of what we were manufacturing. So we started making hand sanitizer and selling it and selling out of it. In some ways that business was struggling, but now it's actually thriving. There's, you, there's opportunities galore over the next 12 to 18 months as we figure this out. Now, are they long-term opportunities? I don't know, but there's gonna be. The world has, com has completely changed. Completely changed and it's gonna stay changed for a while. Like, what do you think? What do you think makes you a successful entrepreneur? Maybe not monetarily, but in that you're 35 plus years into this, and you've built businesses that have been that have kind of stood the test of decades. Like, what what makes you a successful entrepreneur? What are the characteristics? I I don't know how you define successful. Um, but if I was to look at what I'm most proud of, it's the relationships with the people that I have. The fact that I've got people that are with me for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. I've had the same partners since we started. And now during this crisis, the five of us are together every day at noon on a Zoom call, talking about what we're going through each of our businesses, what's going on, what do we need to do next? Where's our, how's our cash? But we, it's those relationships, right? Those deep relationships with really smart people. When I get on a call with my VP team running Empire and we go through where we're at, they're a solid group of people. They are awesome. They are, they are digging in and getting everything settled and, and done. Um, it is the people that I've surrounded myself with that are the reason why we're going to be okay through this whole thing. Um, I, I tell people the same thing we're all gonna be remembered and judged for how you dealt with life during this crisis. If, you, if you're the kind of person who's hoarding toilet paper when other people need it, if you're not wearing a mask when you're supposed to, if you're jumping up and down and screaming and yelling because you have to stay on your couch or in your house for a little while and acting like an idiot that way, everybody's gonna remember you. Everybody's gonna judge you for it. There's certain periods of time and this is one of them in history. Like during, if you fled the U.S. to go to Canada to avoid the draft in the, during the Vietnam War, people remember you for that and they judge you for that. How you deal with your friends around you, people around you today, you're going to be remembered and judged for. 
If you're I'm like, if you're a rich guy who decided I'm taking off to New Zealand and avoiding the world, I'll come back and, and because I got lots of money and all my employees, they can just stay there and they'll figure that out. People are going to judge you for that. So speaking of remembering, I think that might be a good segue into an organization that you started in 2018 called ChooseLife.org, which is dedicated to the fight against teen suicide. Um, your first project was a documentary film called Tell My Story. Can you give us the background of, of how you started this and why? Um, part of how I look at this crisis is it's, it's bad, but I've been through worse. This, this is just money and, and death for some people, unfortunately, and, and sickness. But for me personally, this is just money. Um, in March of 2018, my 14-year-old boy committed suicide. He died of suicide. Um, that changed my life forever. So when you talk about success in business, it doesn't necessarily really matter. Because while I could argue that I could have just about anything I want in life within reason, I can't have the most important thing. Which my son to come back. So when this happened, because I'm a, that guy who wants to make a difference to do things, I decided I was going through his drawers one day and I, um, I saw a sticky note that said, tell my story. It was just a sticky note. And that made me believe that I had to do something more than just have my own misery. So I started, I was looking for a website because that's what people do, I guess. When I was a kid, they start a website. And um, ChooseLife.org was available. And I didn't think about it. It was $10,000. I'm like, well, that's, that's a lot of money for a URL, but I'll buy it. Because I just felt like that's what I wanted Ryan to do. I wanted everybody to do. Choose life over death. It wasn't until I actually started it all and got it going that someone mentioned that was the same slogan from the um, anti-abortion people, especially back in the 80s. And so I, I went, oh, crap. But I kept it because they still think that's the, what I wanted people to do. So the mission of ChooseLife.org is to end teen suicide by 2030. And that's what we're trying to do. And I'm trying to do that because, well, I guess it's important. It's the number two leading death, cause of death for our kids. But if you take a look at how we got here, we created the problem we're in when it comes to mental health in our kids. We created the problem we have with mental health in our veterans, in, our, in ourselves. This issue of suicide did not exist to the same level when I was a kid. When I was a 14 year old kid, I didn't have the anxiety and depression and angst that our kids have today. 
because I didn't have cell phones, all you know, Instagram and Facebook. There wasn't the pressure to succeed or be a, be the best. We didn't watch the news. I mean, bad things happened during that time, I'm sure, but I didn't really pay attention. The news was something my father watched. I was 14, right? I was I was more concerned about going out and playing with my with my brother and sister and my friends. Um, you know, and I was bullied at school, but the bullies didn't come home, right? They're, now they're all over the place. So we kind of create, we, we got ourselves here through technology. The level of death and suicide of kids did not exist this way 35 years ago or 40 years ago. So I really wanted to make a difference. So if you take, so I started with the movie, Tell My Story, which we filmed over the course of the last year. It was actually supposed to launch in theaters in March and then coronavirus. So now we're trying to figure out the best way to get that movie out because we're not sure exactly when theaters can open. But the movie is a piece of it. The movie is a story for a, where I went out and interviewed um, parents and, and kids who have attempted suicide um, around the, the Western United States and w talked to them about what they would have done, what, what kids wish their parents did, what parents wish they did who have been in that situation. And the, the movie was really well done. It was done by Cinema Libre Studios. Uh, David Freed's the director. Um, he, uh, they just did a, a fabulous job. And that'll come out. And that's a big part of raising the awareness around how as parents we can be different. If you go to choosefelife.org, there's also a, there's two TEDx talks I did. One I did in October of this year called um, The Hot Lava Talk, which really gets into the difference between now and then and as parents how do we talk to our kids there's so, the and one, one more thing on the front page but there's a goal cast i did uh back in november that just came out literally when coronavirus came out as well um that really gets into the how do you talk to your kids and why you need to be more open with your, your kids and that one's had about seven million views or something like that so that's what i what i'm doing there in that space so I think this is so important to discuss right now because so many families are at home. Both parents are in professional services, for example. So many parents are maybe like, my wife is a lawyer, I'm an entrepreneur. And so much of our dialogue with our kids is just to shut them down quickly so that we can just focus on work. I'm busy. I got a call. Um, can you talk a little bit about, or just give some advice to the people who are out there right now who might have kids that are, you know, 10 to 16 years old, or even going down to my kid's age, that's, you know, I got a three-year-old, but maybe just focusing on the parents with teenagers and yeah. what are some simple practical things that they can do right now to, to get through this crisis at home as well as they can as a family? So the first thing, and thank you for bringing this up, because it's, it's been, I've done a bunch of webinars about this lately. I've got an article that's going to come out next week on it. It's, um, it's, a, it's a scary time, right? We all know it's a scary time because people have lost their jobs and people are dying, people are creating the virus. And as parents, we're trying to adapt and work from home. And it's easy to forget what your kids might be going through right now, right? Because we're also worried about 
how do I pay the rent? How do I pay the mortgage? How do I keep things going? I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be here right now. I'm not used to being here and holy cow, these kids are loud, right? It's, it's, I get it all. But now if you take a look and put yourself in your kid's shoes, they don't want to be there. They want to, they might complain about being at school, but they want to be at school with their friends, right? You get kids like my kid who was uh, graduating this year. Well, there's no graduation. They've spent their, all their school years and most of their life looking forward to this point where they graduate from high school with all their friends and walk and get that piece of paper. Well, there's no ceremonies. It's not happening. So, and they're stuck at home and they're not seeing their friends and they're not, they're not being able to hug their friends and see their friends and touch their friends. They can't see their boyfriends and girlfriends to the same level they used to, if at all. So for most of them, they're probably adapting. They're in their rooms, they're watching, they're learning how to Zoom, they're playing games, but they're by themselves a lot more than they used to be by themselves. And even though you feel like you're with them because you're in the house with them, they're by themselves because you're not paying attention to them as much as they probably want you to. They don't have the human interaction as much as they used to because they used to be with their friends all day. So not all, I don't want to give you the impression that all your kids are now in danger of doing something terrible because they're not. But the ones who had issues about this before, the ones that had anxiety issues before, the ones that had depression issues before, aren't probably taking this all that well. And the unfortunate piece that's happening right now that we're not paying attention to is the level, the, the calls to the suicide hotline are up dramatically, like 300% since this all started. Because people are having a challenge with this. There's a stat I heard, and I might even tell you it's an absolutely accurate, but for every one point of, of unemployment, there's 4,000 more suicides added in the United States. So if we just added 15 points of unemployment, we added 60,000 deaths. And that's not kids, that's adults, right? Now, is that stat accurate? I don't know if you know the internet, you know the same stuff I get, but there is a rise in mental health concerns and issues when we're all under this much more pressure. So those of us who have a challenge dealing with it are having a bigger challenge dealing with it. Am I making sense? Yeah, how, so I think. You want to get to how, the next <laughs> Yeah, uh, for one on the, uh, first with the teens, like what can parents specifically do today? Yep. And secondly, with ourselves, parents, regardless of the age, what can we do to check in with ourselves to recognize things that we don't think we even know could be an issue? And then what do we do about that? So, so there's going to be different varying degrees with everybody, right? But if we just start with some of the simple stuff, check in with your kids. We've all lost our routine. They've lost their routine. We all need some kind of routine. Create some routine with your kids. For me, it's some simple stuff. We have dinner together every night. No, no electronics. It's just dinner. We're talking. We watch a show after dinner. We do that the same thing. Something to look forward to. Kyle, my 18-year-old, and I do a picture every night. I think last night was day 29 of the virus, right? And we do something, a silly picture that we post on Facebook. 
He looks forward to that. I look forward to that. But check in with your kids and create some structure, some routine. If, you're, if your family's gotten to the point where you just all eat when you eat and all that, no, make the meal the event of the day. If you can do lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, do that together. Have fun cooking it together and eating it together and turn off all the electronics. So how do you even approach it if you have that 13-year-old kid who's been 45, year, 45 days deep into this and they're like, don't talk to me. I do not want – this is boring. Like, I'm going to go in my room. Can you still – just don't talk to me. Like, how do you even reset? Well, you, okay. If you're having that issue, you have to reset. You have no choice, right? So you've got to find a way to reach them. Find something fun to do with them. Go for a walk with them. You can still walk outside in most places. Go for a walk. You got to get everybody's body has to get moving, right? Have a contest. Put on a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or, or just use your – track your steps in a day. I've got friends that are having their little kids have a race to see who can put on as many steps in a day as they can. Because the more your body moves, the better you feel. Get them outside of their room and get them outside in the nature even for an hour a day. Make sure they're eating properly. Watch what they're eating. Your teenagers may or may not be eating the best food right now. Make sure they are eating as healthy as they can because there's a huge connection between gut health and mental health. There's, for the younger ones, you know, 13 and 14 year olds, bullying has gone up, not down, right? Because you got all the bullies are at home now and they're bored. And so they're banging on people. Make sure you're checking your kids' social media if they're allowed to have social media. Make sure that, that if they're getting banged on, you know about it. And you can do something about it. You can step in. Who are they talking to online right now? Are their friends okay? Maybe you could ask them this. How are your friends doing? Because maybe they'll, maybe they'll be more comfortable telling you about their friends what is actually them. What I didn't realize with Ryan was there were times he would tell me about his friends. He wasn't talking about his friends. He was talking about himself. I, was, I thought I was connected with Ryan. I wasn't. He didn't share with me everything. I wish I knew then what I know now about the importance of pushing and asking the questions. I'm going to give you an example from, from telling my story. Is that one of the girls I interviewed, a bunch of them, I said, what would you wish your parents did differently? And she said, I wish when I said I was, when I said I was fine. They realized I wasn't. And they pushed harder. Like, it's not easy, right? You've got that 13-year-old kid who doesn't want to talk to you. Or that 15-year-old kid doesn't want to talk to you. Just let me be alone. Yeah, that's not, that's, not, that's not good. You've got to find a way to connect with them. You've got to find a way to do something fun with them. You've got to draw them out. And I, I know you can look here and go, it's, it's not easy. I can't do that. Well, I get it. I get it. But go, go to ChooseLife.org and watch the, the Hot Lava Talk, the TED Talk, the, the, um, sorry, the, um, the Goldcast. There's some good stuff in there that I shared with people for this. You've got to think about your kids differently now. It's, they're not just your roommate who's hanging out in the house who's annoying you. <laughs> they need you more than ever. And that also goes for, by the way, 
your spouses, your partners, your friends? Like, what are you all doing to reach out to each other and make sure each other are okay? It's not just kids' mental health. It's adults are having a real struggling time. I can tell when I get on a, a – because I talk to so many people in a week, and I'm on Zoom calls, and I can look at, okay, that one right there, I'm going to call them later because they're not having a good day. You can, sh you can tell if someone shows up how they're carrying themselves. We have a massive mental health crisis in this country outside of coronavirus. What are some basic questions that we can ask ourselves to do a check-in of, are we doing okay and do we need to ask somebody for help? Well, I, I, I wanna believe that we each individually know if we're okay. Like, you know if you're not okay. And if you're not okay, what are you going to do about it? Who are you going to talk to? Right? I mean, if you're not feeling, if, like, let me put it this way. If you're feeling like this is never going to go away and that your life's never going to get better, then you're not okay because that's not true. If you've convinced yourself that the world will never come back from this and your life will never be all right, then you're not okay because it's not true. And maybe some perspective might help. If you haven't read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, that's like the number one book on your list right now. Viktor Frankl was in a concentration camp in World War II. And he tells a story about how he got there and what it was like. And when you listen to that, and I, I suggest you listen to it on, on Audible. When you listen to that, wow. You feel like, even I feel like, what I've gone through in my life is nothing compared to what he went through. If you read Ernst, Ernst Shackleton's book on, um, I think it's on Endeavor, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, and what they went through. Um, that's, that's, that's a real challenge. Read Who Moved My Cheese. Watch the videos on, on YouTube. Because your cheese is moved. Right? So you can sit back and say, hey, why is the cheese not coming back? Or you can go find new cheese. But we will, as a, as a country, as a world, we will come out of this. We're going to come out of it different. But we're going to come out of it. And this is not anywhere near, say, what people went through in World War II, where the cities were bombed and obliterated. People were dying all over the place. This is a virus that's attacking some people. And most of us just have to hang out in our houses and then rethink how we're spending our money. But yeah, it's still, I can look at this and go with the way I look at life. I'm going, Hey, I wish I had more spare time because I don't have enough time to be creative right now. I'm too busy working, but I wish I was writing more. I wish I was playing more guitar. I want to go outside and, and play in my yard a little bit more. I wish I was, I, I wish I was doing more of that. I need to for my own mental health. Right. But there's so many things to do. If you're sitting here in your house and you're spinning in your chair thinking the world's falling apart and you're crawling the walls, you need to look at it a little differently because you have, how about how lucky you are to have the time to be with your family right now? How lucky you are to be able to relook your life? How lucky you are to be able to take the time to read those books you never read? To pick up a paintbrush and paint? You may never have this time again. 
why would you waste such a good crisis? Because you're sitting there worried all day about what it's going to be like. And your kids too. Like, how can you encourage them to do creative things? What can they do? What can you do as a family that's creative? My, my besides the mental health issues that are obvious in, the, in this crisis, my concern is a lot of people are, are going to come out of this in a month or two and look back on it six months and go, man, I could have done so much more at that time besides just go through everything on Netflix. There's so much I could have, I could have went on masterclass and learned everything on the planet. And there, I know there's other free sites. I just masterclass is one I happen to like, but there's all these free sites you go learn stuff. Like there's, there's, um, I, you know, go take that Harvard class on happiness. Google the Harvard class on happiness. It's now free online. If you haven't watched that, why not? Or take a photography class like Nikon has their free photography lessons now for a whole month of April. Like there's so much out there Ooh. to get off your tail, stop watching TV and do something creative. I mean, the fact, I mean, it's embarrassing that the number one rated thing that people are doing during, during this time is watching that tiger thing on Netflix. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. I haven't watched it personally. I heard it's funny. I heard it's addicting, but I'm going, really? That's what you want to do with your time? And if you did, great, whatever. But now what else are you going to do with your time? Like, you're going to look back on this time and go, did I waste it? Or did I really go, wow, I accomplished so much. What are you most hopeful about for, um, what are you most hopeful about for your family? Well, I think for my family, it's a little different, right? I just want them to be able to enjoy their lives without wallowing in the pain and the memory of Ryan. I, we, we'll never forget about Ryan. We miss him every day. But I know there's people out there that have had this happen to them and they, their lives never go back to being the same at all. And I just am hopeful and I, and I feel that my family is doing this, that they, you don't move on, but you live with it. And they can have good lives despite the pain that we have because of loss of Ryan. Um, and I think they're doing that. And they're channeling that energy. My oldest is working for Empire and doing a great job. Um, Ashlyn is enjoying her life with her dogs and her boyfriend and hoping to go back to work soon. And my youngest, Kyle, is, you know, writing music and starting a business and he's doing great things. And my wife is enjoying her life with them. So I think we're doing really good. And we don't focus on, oh my gosh, we're all locked inside. Ashlyn focuses on, she's in her apartment with her dogs. And she's like, that is great. I've learned my, Minecraft is the most fun thing I've ever learned. I'm, I'm learning how to build stuff. And, and you know what? I think Minecraft, if you're going to play a friggin' video game, play Minecraft. Because you're building and you're creating it. And it's getting those creative, you're having to think. You're not just shooting things all day. Play a game like that if you need to play a game. Right? That, that's, that's, I mean, I, you should all install Minecraft on your computer if you need to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, and maybe to kind of, you know, on a kind of a, an ending note here, do, do you have a favorite quote or a favorite principle that people should keep front of mind 
and maybe something that they can think about today? I'll tell you, it's, and it's, it's going to sound a little egotistical, but my favorite quote that I keep repeating all the time right now is mine, is you will all be judged and remembered for how you showed up during this time. So how do you want to be judged and how do you want to be remembered? I think that is a fantastic place to end this. And it's, this has given me uh, probably about a week plus of write, reading and writing to do. <laughs> uh, I appreciate your time with this. All the best. Awesome.